Hello, boxing fans around the world. Thanks for joining me once again here on Talk and Fight for another episode of Boxing News Today. And today we have headlines spanning the globe, but I'm going to focus on a few stories. A, out of Mexico, B, out of America, and in generalistic terms, uh, those two items will sandwich the heavyweights. So let's start off with a quick little story um, regarding David Avnasian. And remember, he had fought um, Terrence Crawford quite a while ago, and it was a, a disputed fight, if you remember, and had something to do with the gloves. Okay, so in a nutshell, this now has hit the headlines. And it does not come out of uh, Mexico, but it comes out of America. Um, David Adnazian uh, has said he's still waiting to receive a response from the ne Nebraska Athletic Commission over their alleged failure to investigate claims that rules were broken during the sixth-round loss to WBO welterweight titleist Terrence Bud Crawford. That was a fight that took place in Omaha, if you remember, back in December. So quite a few months ago. And we have had uh, questions from our viewers, from our listeners, uh, what was ever the outcome of this? Well, I guess as we go through this article, we're going to find out if there was an outcome. Anyway, Avnasian had contacted uh, Aaron Hendry, the NAC's uh, division manager of human resources and investigations, in January, uh, but has yet to receive a response. Neil Marsh, Avnasian's manager, filed a complaint on December 15th, claiming and providing what the team believes is proof that the gloves used by Crawford were either defective, previously used, substandard, or otherwise contrary to the WBO championship rules, NAC rules, and regulations, as well as federal and state law stipulations. So we've got a bundle to un unpack here. Sparkle Lee, the fight's referee, acknowledged there was damage to Crawford's Everlast gloves at the start of round six. But along with uh, Russell Morale, the WBO supervisor, and the NAC, he decided to let the round go ahead instead of switching to another pair of gloves. They had submitted further photographic evidence to suggest the gloves were defective prior to the fight commencing. So as previously reported, Chapter 4, Rule 006.01 and 006.02 states that gloves should be provided by the promoter and must be in proper condition. It is made quite clear that any damage to gloves accrued in a fight should be inspected to ensure they are fit for competition. It is Team Avnasian's suspicion that the gloves selected at the rules meeting were not the gloves Crawford wore when he entered the ring. So, um, Chapter 006.04 states, The gloves cannot be twisted or manipulated in a way by the contestants or others. If a glove breaks or strings become untied during the bout, the referee will instruct the timekeeper to take a timeout while the glove issue is being corrected. All gloves must be checked by a commission official prior to the start of the bouts. Any snagged, torn, or unfit gloves will not be approved for competition. During the development cycle of the custom fight gloves used in Crawford versus Avnasian, a batch of defective leather was used in production, resulting in a malfunction during the competition was a response from Everlast when allegations were made. But they denied any wrongdoing on Team Crawford's part and said that the commission had deemed that the fight would continue until the end of round six. 
While not disputing Crawford's performance and win, the 54-year-old, sorry, the 34-year-old still argues that the gloves were clearly and obviously defective and that they contributed to his knockout defeat. His team have submitted photos to support their case along with the allegations that the gloves were damaged before the fight began and therefore an unfair advantage was gained by Crawford and the chance of inflicting a knockout or damage to the opponent was heightened. They've also argued that the gloves became noticeably damaged during the fight itself, stating that a careful examination of the evidence shows the gloves appear to be not new as represented and required, missing padding and splitting at the seams in multiple places. Um, so Marsh has told uh, others that uh, the only response so far was a letter dated uh, December 21st in which the NAC did not give a time uh, scale for an investigation, instead promising to vigorously defend themselves if any action was taken. Due to the lack of an investigation and response, Evanasian has opted to push to have the result charged, sorry, changed to no contest if his claims of the use of defective gloves are verified by the investigative process. This can only be achieved if the NAC conduct a full and thorough investigation, however. Team Evanasian have submitted several information requests, chiefly who supervised Crawford's dressing room on the night and was present when the gloves were given to him. Why weren't the gloves changed when it became clear they were obviously defective during the fight itself? A clear breach of the commission's duty of care. Who took possession of the gloves after the bout? And what would be the next step in terms of an investigation? Avnasian has demanded an answer to the question as to why the gloves were not changed when they had a timeout to inspect the defects, which he claims rendered the gloves ineffective and contributed to uh, what it was a heavy stoppage defeat. I have instructed my legal team, Leon Margulis, who gathered the facts and have wrote to everybody uh, relevant and everybody, sorry, and nobody responded, said Abnasian. When you're writing via a lawyer to the likes of Nebraska Commission and others, you expect a level of professional, you expect a level of professional respect. The facts are the gloves situation in this fight were absolutely shocking. Maybe they feel this is going away. For all parties do not respond to me. It makes me question certain ones integrity even more. I've released this to give everyone an update because it seems people want it to be brushed under the carpet. Uh, to fight Terence Crawford is going to be a hard task, even on a level playing field, he added. I'm never one to moan about results. I take it on the chin like any true fighter would, but to lose with defective gloves and the referee not to stop the fight at that point to change the gloves leaves me very annoyed, even more so at the officials that are there to ensure a fair fight and protect both fighters. We'll be meeting to discuss the next step. So with all the controversy swirling around boxing, a business that does itself absolutely no favors when it comes to making uh, clear and making itself clear and transparent is not a measure of unreasonable uh, claim for the fighter to make for his own peace of mind in order to allow him to move on with his career. So for example, if a fighter tests positive for a doping offense, cheating, otherwise then the result is usually turned into a no contest. So why would this be any different if mistakes were made and intent proven. Avnasian just wants answers and demands the truth. Good for him. Alrighty, down to Mexico we go. Uh, Sean Jones at boxnews24.com says Canelo Alvarez is already looking past his fight with John Ryder on May 6th coming up towards his rematch with Dimitri Bivol in September. That humiliating loss, uh, that Canelo 58-2 won, 
uh, suffered last May against WBA light heavyweight champ Bibble has etched a painful memory into the Mexican star's mind that can only be erased by avenging it. Unfortunately for Canelo, he still has to deal with the upset-minded rider, 32 and 5, by the way, 18 knockouts, who sees this fight as the biggest one of his career and will be super motivated. With Canelo distracted by his obsession to avenge his loss to the talented Bivol, there's no way he can fully concentrate on Ryder. He can't focus on Ryder because he's still haunted by the image of what Bivol did to him last May. Very true. Let's see what happens. It's going to be a great fight on Saturday. Speaking of that division, um, our boy Joshua Biazzi has this to say, quite frankly. Joshua Botsy, ready to meet Arter Bedebiev or Dmitry Bivol on top of the unpredictable 175-pound division. Yes, this is courtesy Sky Sports out of Britain. Joshua Botsy knows he must beat Powell Stepien on May 6th, also that same night that uh, um, Canelo is fighting uh, John Ryder, um, to keep his plans to fight uh, the world's elite level uh, light heavyweights uh, alive. Dimitri Bivol and Arta Bidabiev hold major titles, but the division can change rapidly. Biazzi warns, when opportunity comes, I'm next, he says. Uh, the 30-year-old Briton is backing his ability to make it at the highest level, although he cannot be certain who the belt holders will be when the time comes for his own title shot. Dimitri Bivol, as we know, is the 175 champ with the WBA, the sanctioning body with whom Biazzi is the number one ranked contender. Other bit of Biav, on the other hand, one of the most fearsome punches in the sport is the unified WBC, WBO, and IBF titleist. Boatsy knows he can beat Poland's Paweł Stepien. He'll be on the cusp of challenging for a major championship. But defeat in Birmingham on May 6th would destroy those ambitions. And he says, are Bivol and Berbev going to unify? Is Bivol going to vacate the belt, move down to fight Canelo? Is Berbev going to say one more fight and I'm retiring? It's hard to say. So unpredictable, Boatsy told uh, Sky Sports. It's important to maneuver myself correctly so that when the opportunity comes, I'm next in line. That's the position I'm in right now, and he would welcome a showdown with one of those champions. Good luck to him. Speaking of uh, champions, let's see what happens in this whole Tzambatar Edernetabat uh, career move, given the fact that he is the alleged mole in Ryan Garcia's camp when he was sparring with Ryan Garcia and potentially divulged information to Tank Davis. Anyway, I think uh, Lou DiBella must manage him because he's heading off uh, in quote world here. Lou DiBella hasn't heard anything about San Batar Edenabat hurting Ryan Garcia in a recent sparring session until Garcia and Edenabat made much of the boxing world aware of it on social media. DiBella believes it happened, however, because Edinat Bat's promoter has seen the viciousness with which the Mongolian Southpaw throws body shots. Fans can see Edinat Bat for themselves on the zone, uh, probably tonight actually, which will stream the two-time Olympians eight-round junior lightweight fight from uh, against Mexican veteran Eddie Mercado as part of DiBella's long-running Broadway boxing series. Okay, well, that's that's how Lou DeBella gets involved in all this. The bout between Erdenabat, who's 5-0, and oh, by the way, three knockouts, and Mercado, who's 29-6, and six, seven knockouts and one no contest, by the way, will be one of six fights that DAZN will stream as part of the show set to start at uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time 
taking place at Sony Hall down in New York City. Okay. Says uh, Debella, he's a vicious, freakishly strong kid. He barely speaks English, but he's very confident. He has swag. He's got huge balls. He wants to step up and fight everybody right now. He's already becoming a gym legend. He trains at Manny Robles Gym in Southern California. There's a buzz about him in the California boxing scene right now because of the way he's been smashing people around in the gyms. Erdunabat revealed during a video he released Monday on his social media platform that he hurt Garcia with a body shot while sparring with the high-profile fight, uh, while sparring for his high-profile fight against Javante Tank Davis. Garcia, whom Davis knocked out uh, with a body shot in the seventh round, accused Erdunabat of being the mole in his camp to whom Davis and his team members referred before their Showtime pay-per-view main event uh, that took place at T-Mobile Arena down in Las Vegas. The 26-year-old Erdanabat denied that he divulged any inside information to Davis or his team. Nevertheless, this by far uh, is the most attention that Erdanabat has received since he turned pro in September of 2018. So let's see how that fight ends up. Looking forward to those results. Elsewhere on BoxingNews24.com, uh, I do the work so you don't have to. Uh, Ken Hisner says, Former Olympic gold medalist and world heavyweight champ is talking about his upcoming movie. Uh, Big George Foreman has this to say uh, with respect to a couple of questions that were posed at him, uh, potentially at a press conference. But let's have a quick look at see uh, see what George Foreman has to say. Um, to do a movie, all the things you tried to hide in camp uh, came back to light again. And, uh, you know, and what was the hardest part of doing the film? He was asked, he says, I don't mind looking back at my victories, but not losing my title to Muhammad Ali in Africa was different. And uh, when asked about the greatest moment in the ring, he said, I was a 19 year old boy winning the Olympic gold medal. That was the most magnificent moment of my life. And that will come into, um, importance with respect to a, a situation that's evolving with USA Boxing, which I'll talk about in a moment. And uh, when asked, uh, you know, about a comeback, he said, uh, I couldn't have even ever made a mistake. I didn't have that anger anymore. I picked up the rage being a sparring partner with Sonny Liston. I saw the way he was and I thought I should be, I thought, and I thought I should be like that. And when asked about the George Foreman grill, he said, it was a thrill to sell. I've been on the street corner selling religion, telling everyone about Jesus. Uh, when asked about today's tall fighters, he said, in my day, you didn't even see good tall fighters like Deontay Wilder. And who was the hardest hitting boxer he ever fought, he said? Ron Lyle. And when asked about his relationship with Ali after retiring, he said, I'd rage toward him. But after finding God, we talked on the phone a lot. Like uh, comparing how many kids you had. I couldn't fish with him because he couldn't keep quiet when I was concentrating on fishing. He became a great friend of mine. And who was the most skillful boxer of all time, he was asked. And he replied, Joe Lewis. Uh, when asked who was the most skillful fighter he fought, he said, Muhammad Ali. And as I said, when asked about the toughest fight he ever had, he said, Ron Lyle. But he had this th to add. He goes, uh, when asked uh, who's more scary, Sonny Liston or George Foreman, he said, walking up the steps as far with Sonny Liston was the scariest. I was fortunate enough to, to watch a preview of the film and thought it was great. It shows how angry of a person that I was. i winning the Olympic gold medal, fighting Muhammad Ali and carrying the little uh, American flag in Mexico City, then winning the world title, coming back after 10 years, and again, re-winning it at the age of 45. Yeah, good for him. 
indeed. And let's all look forward uh, to that movie coming out shortly. Speaking of the heavyweights, apparently Tyson Fury is the only fighter holding up the potential four-man tournament that's happening or planned to happen or going to happen, hopefully, in December uh, in Saudi Arabia. And that's coming out of uh, Alexander Yusuk's manager's uh, camp. Uh, talks have been going on for weeks uh, with respect to Saudi Arabia hold, hosting a mega fight uh, that would uh, shake up the heavyweight division for sure. Uh, the landmark event would see, hopefully, anti-Joshua battle Deontay Wilder and uh, then headlined by a Fury and Usyk battle. Both AJ and the Bronze Bomber have said they want to make it happen and have reportedly been easy to negotiate with. However, Alex Freyshuk, who manages U6, says Fury's complex personality has proven to be a major obstacle in the discussions. And he said, from my perspective and from my experience, AJ is not a very complicated person to deal with. Deontay Wilder and Shelley Finkel are very reasonable people. We got in touch with them a couple of weeks for the first time in 10 years, and we had quite a long conversation. I don't think it would be a big challenge for anyone to make a deal with him. He then added, Alexander Yusik and his team are known to be the easiest people to deal with in the world of boxing. So there's only one thing still pending. is a complex personality who goes back and forth, playing his games to try and squeeze as much money as possible. That's the reason why Yusik called him Greedy Belly. <laughs> right on. Let's move along. In another heavyweight story that's hit in the headlines. Uh, heavyweight Martin Barcoli uh, has said that he's ready to take on the heavyweight division as he attempts to land a significant fight. Unfortunately, Bacoli says many of these top fighters are scared of him, including Dillian White, whom he had a recent altercation with. Bacoli says White, in particular, is hiding from a match and instead is only offering insults and arguments, whereas he believes White should instead just sign a contract to fight. But White isn't the only person Bacoli is avoiding him, as he points out Alexander Yusik, Daniel Dubois, and Deontay Wilder. If Bacoli can't manage a fight against White, his promoter, Ben Shalom, has expressed interest in pursuing a Wilder fight with Bacoli, holding the number two position in the WBA while Wilder has the number one. And while it's certainly possible Bacoli doesn't manage to land any of these specific fights, he's calling for in the short term, he may find himself in the kind of match he desires before long. So let's let's hope so. I want to see a shakeup in the heavyweight division. Um, and speaking of heavyweights, here we go. Former WBO heavyweight champ, Joseph Parker, 31 and 3, 21 knockouts, will clash with Fiega Opelu, 15, 3 and 1, over 10 rounds with the Commonwealth title upper grabs at the Marwick Court Arena in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia on May 24th, with WBC heavyweight champion Tyson Fury expect expected to be in attendance. The Commonwealth heavyweight title has been held by some of the biggest names in the sport, and I'm looking forward to adding my name to that list, Parker said. He, Opelu, is a great fighter and deserves his shot, but there are levels to this game, and I plan to show that. I'm not taking this lightly, and I look forward to putting on a great performance for the fight fans. I believe I can win another world championship uh, title. It just takes time. I just need to keep winning. I can't afford to lose. Right on. Now, Going back to the Olympic dilemma. USA Boxing has withdrawn from the International Boxing Association, citing IBA's, quote, failure to uphold, unquote, the principles of its constitution and respect the Olympic charter and movement. The resolution, which is effective immediately, sees the American Amateur Boxing National Governing Body withdraw from the international organization, which has been a charter member when it was formed back in, in 1946. 
In a letter directed to USA Boxing members, Executive Director Mike McAtee invoked the Declaration of Independence, calling to dissolve the political bands which have connected them to the scandal-riddled IBA, which rebranded from I, sorry, AIBA in 2021 after being suspended from the Tokyo Olympics. IBA was also suspended from handling the qualification and competition events for the 2024 Olympics in Paris by the Olymp International Olympic Committee due to not meeting the reform requirements from the 2019 Lalovic report, which raised concerns about governance standards and financial viability, as well as a lack of third-party oversight in competitions. USA Boxing will instead begin the membership process on or about May 1st to join World Boxing, an international federation which was announced on April 13th. That organization is headed by members of various federations, including USA Boxing, GB Boxing, plus Philippines ABAP, among others, with a stated goal of being recognized by the IOC and preventing boxing from being removed from the 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles. Well, there you go, boxing fans. News from around the world, as promised. Thanks very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Remember to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And we'll see you later on at 4 p.m. Eastern time when I join Mike, Orrin, Cedric, Ben for their show, Knuckle Up.